Hi, my name is Frankie. Thank you for listening to my mom. I never listen. How about this? The head coach of St. Joe's, Cindy Griffin, who's been around Philly and St. Joe's and basketball in that incredible hotbed of great coaches for a long time. Cindy, thank you so much for not just being on the podcast, for being a friend of Nothing But Ned and my personal friend as well. Uh, now, it's great to, to be with you, Debbie, as always. And I uh, just want to thank you for doing so much for women's basketball. And uh, I'm just delighted to be with you guys today. Well, thank you. And, and thank Curtis, your husband and your family, because it's it's not just, uh, you know, the head coach and, you know, you go out there and you do your thing. You've got a whole team behind you that is so supportive. Let's talk about them first before we dive into this incredible A-10 this year. Uh, what? How do you do it at home? How do you manage all of it? Well, like you said, I have an incredible support staff uh, with with my husband um, being the number one. We just got a puppy, Deb. I mean, I don't know. Way to throw something more into the fire. But um, but yeah, little Rue. Uh, we have a uh, Portuguese water dog. So she's keeping Curtis company uh, while I'm running around. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Curtis, obviously, and my children have been wonderful, you know, um, and it's it's nice to be around Philly, around family that that support you as well. And, uh, you know, having Kaylee on our team is great because I get to see her every day. And and then Hannah, of course, is um, up at Holy Cross playing for Marie McGarity, which is they've had a great year so far. And then young Curtis John is just starting to get into wrestling. So he's busy with uh, at St. Joe Prep, which has been great. That's fantastic. I, I know your girls have grown up around the game. They've been in the gym with you. They've just followed you around. And it's it's interesting. One plays for you, one doesn't. How do you balance? Like, did you get to her games? Uh, I've been to one. So it, it worked out. I was able to get the one. I think we had it off on a Wednesday. And because she plays in the Patriot League, which is pretty local around here, I uh, was able to see her at Lafayette, which was great. So, um, And if I don't see her, I'll be able to watch the games on ESPN+, Plus, which is great. Yeah, that that's a hard thing. Like I know for me, when I go watch my kid play, uh, I don't say anything. I don't even really like to sit next to my husband because I don't want him to nudge me or give me, you know, I give off some body language that I don't want anybody to see. And it might not be directed at Patrick. It's usually a, a teammate or a coach. So I just rather just, how do you handle sitting in the stands watching your daughter play? Yeah. So, I mean, luckily I don't sit in the stands with Kaylee, right? So I'm on the sidelines, so I don't hear anything. Um, and then I actually haven't been to a game with Curtis because it's either one of us going to the game to Hannah's game. So with that particular game, he wasn't able to go. Um, so I went, but, um, you know, when they were in high school, obviously we sat together, but, um, yeah, I don't say anything. I think everybody's trying to figure out what's going on in my brain, but I purposely do not say anything. That's the way I am too. I don't want to say, I don't even cheer uh, because I don't want to look like I'm cheering for certain things and not for other things. So I just try to keep quiet and say to myself, and uh, I don't really like sitting with the other parents that, that much either, because I don't want anybody to say anything to me. You know, I just don't want them to ask me anything about what's going on or whatever. So that is an interesting concept about coaches, parents watching their own kids in the stands. Cause I know there's some parents that do the opposite. They're very active, very involved and very much, cheering on the teams and that's fine. I just choose not to do it. Um, all right. So 
the word on the street is, man, you got a good team. Like everybody's talking about St. Joe's in the A-10, about how balanced your team is, how smart your kids are, how well they know their roles. Uh, how much fun are you having this year with this group? I'm having a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoy, um, I mean, I always enjoy coaching, but, you know, this year in particular that uh, this team is just so self-motivated, uh, self-driven. Uh, any challenge that's in front of them, they want to conquer it. Um, you know, they they play with and for each other. The ball moves. Um, you know, we individually, we have some really good players, but I think we're better as a whole. And, uh, you know, you've seen that with, with certain matchups, you know, um, with with some key wins that we've had and you know certainly we have some tough games coming our way and I'm excited to see where we are with um with playing the top of the league in this last month in February so you know I was talking to another coach in the league about this you know the A10 has multiple teams that are really good uh, there's a competitive race the ACC has a competitive race but then there's other leagues that have one team you know South Carolina's going to win the SEC UConn's going to win the Big East you know, Pac-12, we don't know who's going to win that. There's a, a lot of good teams out there. How much fun is that for you when you have to change, dive into strategy, like plan for different ways of playing and keep your team sharp? Yeah, it's it's exciting. You know, I'm, I'm very, very happy that the Atlantic 10, um, we've had so many teams that are in the top 80 um, in the net, which is, which is awesome. Um, you know, that's been, we've been kind of up and down in that area, but you know that on any given night, uh, and I, I think you see it nationally. I think on any given night, you've got to be ready to uh, to compete and to uh, you know continue your your strong resume, if you will. But um, it's just exciting. Like we're going to go into George Mason tomorrow night or uh, Thursday night, and they've had an unbelievable year as well. And um, you know that to me is like okay, well these are this is the top of the league. Let's see where we are um, in this early February game, but. Um, you know, it's just exciting. We have great coaches. We have terrific players um, and good people. And I think that's uh, that represents the, the Atlantic 10, the best um, that we've had in, in a long time. I think that represents St. Joe's. That's the way I feel about St. Joe's with the history, the number of incredible Hall of Famers that have been through St. Joe's that have started their coaching career there or played there. And, and you keep carrying that legacy on. You know, do you, it's not, it's not like something you think about every day, but there's times you could probably glance in the, in the Raptors and see some things up there that are really motivating to keep it at a high level. Is that how you see it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think, you know, you, we just celebrated 50 years of uh, women's basketball at St. Joe's um, a couple Saturdays ago. And so we recognized the first team and um, there was a great video. Muffet was involved. Jim Foster was involved. Debbie Black. Dale Hodges, uh, Susan Morin, you know, so legends that have come here um, to coach or to play, because Muffet obviously played here and she coached under Jim for a little while. Um, you know, Gina was an assistant coach here. Um, so there's, and Reenie Portland and Teresa Grant. So it just, it's really unbelievable. And I look back and I say, okay, this is my 23rd year coaching at St. Joe's. I'm like, what? I, I just, I, I, you believe it, but then you don't believe it at the same time. It's kind of surreal. It's like half my life. Uh, I've been here at St. Joe's, you know, and, um, but to be, you know, talked among amongst those great coaches and to be part of something bigger than yourself is really what, what motivates us, me every day. Um, you know, I, I don't think we ever get too, you know, too high, too low. I just think what you see at St. Joe's is just 
hard nose, get to work every day, um, enjoy the people that you're doing it with, and um, you know make something happen the best that you can, and have these players enjoy their experience here and even beyond. I mean, you're rattling off like who's who in college basketball. It's just really amazing the the historical footprint that St. Joe's has and and the legacy that St. Joe's has in the game. So I want to take it to another step. And I know you think I, I'm a little crazy sometimes. I mean, I'm thinking about things that I probably shouldn't be thinking about, but this is something that I, I have thought about before. And I, I don't know if I share this with you or not. Um, you know, there's something unique and special about Philadelphia coaches, right? There's a common thread about how successful they've all been. And we could go on and on about, you know, coaches that you named a bunch, Debbie Ryan would be in a, you know, um, Joe McEwen, you know, like there's a lot of coaches that have a Philadelphia based upbringing. I on a whim because I don't read a lot, but I like to read the self-help stuff. I read Malcolm Gladwell. I think he's interesting. I emailed him once because he's always doing unique and eccentric things like 10,000 hours to perfect things. And uh, I, I can't even think the outliers is the last book I read of his a long time ago. I emailed him and said, hey, you need to do something on Philadelphia bred and born coaches. Why are they all successful? What is it about Philadelphia? Is it the blue collar, strong religious upbringing? Is it something else? Like, what is it? And he never responded to me. I was really disappointed that he didn't email me back. But I really thought there was something there, Cindy. I mean, am I off? <laughs> It's in the water, I think. I think, you know, the soft pretzels are always better, right? The bagels are better. The pizza's better. Um, but I, and I think you're on to something. I think the grassroots of Philadelphia basketball, you know, I think we all grew up very in a very humble environment. Um, you know, I, we've had really great coaches. I mean, I know that I have growing up, whether it be grade school, high school, college. Um, you know, we were taught by coaches that are love the game that find different ways to win games you know do more with less sometimes um, how to manage the game knowing what you have and trying to get the best um, get the most out of your players uh, we might not be the most athletic or the most talented but are we the best team how do we do that you know how do you study the game what's your what's your edge um you know, and you see that, you know, you see that with, that's how we were taught. That's how I was taught the game. Um, you can go, 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 um, and run, 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 run. But at some point in time, you're going to have to execute in the half court. And I think that's what you've been taught even at the grade school and high school level um, locally. And then there's an edge, you know, I think there's a brotherhood, there's a sisterhood as well. Um, you know, I think people take care of one another if from hiring, you know, former players or, you know, I think there's a legacy there that you see at, at different schools that um, that we take pride in that, you know, you want to hire your own players. You want you want them to have that experience that they want to get into coaching. You know, there's a loyalty there. Um, and I think that goes a long way as much as knowing, you know, knowing the game. And um, and again, I think the foundation just, you know, the grassroots is really strong here in Philly. And you, you talk on the men's side with, you know, John Chaney or. Um, Jack McKinney, Jack Ramsey. I mean, it just goes, it goes on and on and on. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's pretty fascinating. I hope someone that is listening or watching knows Malcolm Gladwell and will give an effort like I did, see if we can figure this out because I, I think there might be something there.
Okay, so uh, you and I actually became friends and got connected because the most iconic person in Philly is Chris DeGiulia, our dear friend, who every once in a while I see uh, in my pass through Philly. And this summer, I spent some time making an effort to go see Chris and visit him. And uh, he took me over to practice so I could see you. And uh, we had a great time. Of course, Don uh, is a longtime athletic director at St. Joe's and uh, a dear friend as well. Um, how's Chris doing? Like, I can't have a, a conversation with you without Chris's name coming up. <laughs> yeah, uh, Chris is doing well. Uh, we haven't seen him as much as we usually see him. Um, but I'll get a text uh, after every game and just congratulating us or, you know, get the next one. Um, there's been a lot more congratulations this year. Uh, so that's been great. Um, but of course, Don keeps me posted on, you know, how he's feeling and how he's doing. But, you know, the one thing about Chris is he's so loyal and he's so invested. And uh, whatever team he's following, I mean, he's definitely a diehard Hawk fan. But, you know, he follows local and he follows, you know, the the pro sports and he's he's invested and he certainly has inspirational and wisdom um, in everything that he shares with you. And he's a very deep and, um, you know, I consider him one of my really good friends. I do, too. And I get texts from him, but they're not congratulations they are usually I saw you on the game, but I turned the sound down. Uh, that's usually what he says to me. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's uh, you know, when it comes to my fundraiser, he uh, is counting bricks instead of counting makes. Uh, that's the kind of friend he is. That's the way you stay humble. Uh, well, that's it. That's Philly. And I'll tell you, like you asked that question. I mean, I think, you know, if you start to get a little bit full of yourself, there's certainly <laughs> some humility that's somebody's going to say something that's going to bring you down to reality. So uh, I think that's what makes Philly so special. Yeah, we will always share Chris as a, a point of conversation and, and great banter, that's for sure. Uh, the last thing, um, I mean, we can go on about your team, but I really want to know about your golf game. Because I know if you're like me, you put the sticks up uh, September-ish, and then April, you can't wait to get them back out. I know it. I know. And I need a new pair of cl uh, clubs. I need a new set of clubs, if you will. But um, I love my clubs. They're pings. They're old. They're um, I, I bought them from a professor at, at Loyola when I was coaching <laughs> oh my god cindy you gotta have some new clubs you can't be wearing it you can't be using those old pings i know but i had a whole one on the with the eight iron and i just i don't know if i can part with it oh well you gotta you gotta mount that on the wall the eight iron you gotta put that up there tell me about the hole in one yeah so myrtle beach um my husband and i were on a trip i think it was before we were actually married and uh we went on this this golf trip and so we were playing every day and we had the afternoon slot and uh, it was about five, six o'clock, par three, hit it into the sun. I didn't see it. I, it felt so good. I was like, gosh. So we go up to the green. I can't find it. I can't find it. I'm like, what the heck? This was an unbelievable shot. Curtis <laughs> says, look, look in the hole. So I looked in the hole and there it was. So pretty cool. Sweet. I love it. Next time you're in Myrtle Beach, you better let me know that's not too far from me. And you might as well make a trip down to Bulls Bay if you're going to come this far south because we got a great track. Wonderful track. Awesome. awesome. I know how much you love it. I know it's fun. I love playing too. But you know, the one thing I got going for me is my maiden name is Mulligan. <laughs> Good one. That's awesome.
Hey, just a couple things, like two or three things about why somebody should watch your team. You are sitting on top of the A-10. You do have a big matchup with Mason coming up. Uh, give us a little rundown, you know, like what you want people to know about your team. Yeah, I mean, I think when you watch our team, you see the ball move, the ball is shared. Uh, you're going to see a lot of skill from all of our players, but obviously our two leaders in that area are our forwards, our four and five men, which is Brugler and Ziegler. Um, who do an unbelievable job scoring in different areas. But backcourt's dynamic with Welch and um, with um, Mackenzie Smith. So the ball moves. You're going to get a lot of uh, threes. You're going to get inside, outside. You're going to get a lot of fundamentals, um, spacing on the floor, and, you know, scoring in different ways. That humble, unselfish attitude that you play with is going to carry you guys a long way this season. Uh, thank you for being with us, Cindy. Thanks for spending some time. Thanks, Deb. Thanks for having me and appreciate you always doing great things for women's basketball.